Take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2. I was going to read the whole chapter, but we're not going to do that this morning, but we will read some of it, and I'll be commenting on this and uh, from the Luke and other things about, the, about Christmas. Let's take our Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 2, following your Bibles as I read, beginning in verse 1. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, Behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall, be, that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privately called the wise men, and inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child, and, and when you have found me, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. And when they heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. Let's pray. Father, thank you today for this service. Thank you, Lord, for my family. Thank you for our church family. And I ask that you would use the message today, Lord, to just speak to our hearts, help us to respond correctly, Lord, to the greatest gift that was ever given, and that's Christ Jesus. We don't know the hearts of people here today, but you do, Lord. And if there's someone here who has never received Christ as their personal Savior, I pray that today they would do that. Give enablement to bring the message, and we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Either tonight or tomorrow, you will probably be presented a Christmas gift from someone, and most of you will probably receive several gifts. The way you receive that gift is very important to you, to those who give you the gift, and also to others who observe you receiving the gift. Uh, it's important because, first of all, to you, it's important the way you receive a gift because it reveals the kind of person you are. I don't know if you've ever been in a place, and it's usually children who do, do this. They'll open a gift, and it's not what they wanted, and they will say, huh. Or they'll set it down, you know, and they don't want anything to do with it. And, and the parent is so embarrassed by that, and they say, you shouldn't do that. You should appreciate it. And sometimes we as adults do the same way, not same thing, maybe not as, as uh, demonstrable as that, but we express a little displeasure or something from the gift. It reveals the kind of person you are when you receive that gift. It shows whether you're a kind person, whether you're a gracious person, it might be something that you don't need, you don't really like, but you're gracious because you realize the person who gave it really wanted to give you something that, that you would appreciate. And so you show appreciation. Or you might respond the wrong way and be harsh or uncaring about what people think or unthankful for your gift. And uh, it reveals something to you about, about you to how you receive that gift. It also is important because the one who gives you the gift, because it's important to them, because they bought and paid for that gift, 
It's free of charge to you. They've wrapped it up. They've prepared for this gift for you, and they want to give it to you. And uh, so it's important to them how you receive it. If you receive that gift in a way that shows them that you're not pleased, if you receive that gift in a way that shows you're proud, that maybe you deserve that, and uh, whatever it might be, it's important to them how you receive that gift. But it's also important to the others who watch you receive the gift. You see, when you receive that gift, you show a lot about yourself to other people, and uh, particularly I'm thinking about children. There are children who respond incorrectly to the giving of a gift because they've seen their parents do the same thing. Maybe not publicly, but once they get home. You know, they'll say something about, well, I thought they would get me this, or why didn't they get more for, uh, I thought I meant more to them than, you know, they'll hear those comments, and so they learn from you. And so it's important the way you receive the gift because others are watching you. And if you're an adult and uh, you've been witnessing to people and uh, they see you receive a gift in the wrong way, then it's going to leave a wrong impression to them and they're not going to be so willing to listen to you. And so it's so important the way you receive a gift. Well, Christ Jesus came to this world, the Bible says, and the Bible says in John chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the word... The word was with God, and the word was God. The word there, word, is the Greek word logos. And it means the expression of thought. It means revelation. And for Jesus, it means the revelation of God. He was the very revelation of God. And it says that in the Bible. It says in John chapter 1, verse, verse 14. Let me turn to that passage. In John chapter 1, verse 14 says, The word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glories of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So Jesus revealed who the Father was. He revealed who God was, and he's full of grace and truth. Also, verse 18 of that passage says this, No man has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. So he's the logos. He's the revelation of God. He tells us who God is. And that's that gift that the Lord gave us. John 3.16 says, God so loved the world that he gave. The way where people respond to, to Jesus, God's gift, is very similar to the way that people responded to the Christmas, in the Christmas story to the gift of Jesus Christ. God sent his son to this earth. And I was thinking about this and started looking at the responses that people had to the Christmas gift, the Lord Jesus Christ, in the very beginning. And those responses are very revealing because they're very similar to our responses. And let's look at some of those responses. First of all, we look in Luke chapter 1. In Luke chapter 1, the first response I see is in verse 29. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying. So when she was finding out about the first, that precious gift, the Lord Jesus Christ, she was troubled. Now, she was troubled because... An angel just appeared to her. That was something very unusual. I mean, a, a person from heaven, and she was, she was troubled because of that. And she was troubled because he, what he said. He said, you're highly favored. You know, in heaven, you're highly favored, and you will be called blessed among women. She didn't understand that, and she was troubled by it. This angel message that she received, it troubled her. 
when we were first presented of the gift of Christ, it should trouble us as well. Now, it's true that when you first hear about Jesus Christ, if you sincerely hear that message, you have to be troubled. Why is that? Because you're a sinner. And God loved you so much that he sent his son, and the only remedy for your son was for, for your sin was for his son to die for you. And that should trouble you. So a presentation of the gift of the Lord Jesus Christ should bring trouble to our heart. I'm sure that, the, that others were troubled as well in the scripture. It doesn't use that word troubled, but uh, you know the angels were troubled when they saw, heard that. And uh, so others were troubled by this message. But Mary particularly, it, it troubled her. And then the second response was this, fear. The Bible says in, John 1, in Luke 1.30, the angel said to Mary, fear not. In Luke 2.10, the angel said to the shepherds, fear not. And they, they had just seen a representation of heaven. They saw an angel come down from heaven. Now you have to understand something about angels and that is, they're not human beings. And also, they're sinless. Sinless. Good angels are sinless. You have never stood before a sinless person. But she just did. And the shepherds did. And so, they were afraid. And they were afraid because of, of who they stood before, the angel of God. And uh, he was telling them about this message, about Jesus coming to be to be the Savior, and so it should trouble us and should also make us a fear, make us afraid when we hear this message of the coming of the one who came to die for us. Why? Because we've sinned against the holy God. And people who tell me that they're saved and yet they have no change in their life, there's no difference whatsoever, they go on in the fact that they made some little profession when they were young and there's never been much change, but, but they count themselves a saved person. It troubles me because I wonder if they've ever come to the place where when they heard about Jesus, it troubled them. When they heard about Jesus, it brought fear to them. Fear that I'm going to stand before a holy God. Fear that my, I'm such a bad sinner that God had to send his son to die for me. And uh, also fear because the Bible says when you st that Jesus is the one who's not only able to destroy the body, but he's able after he's destroyed the body to cast them into hell. Have you ever heard a well-meaning preacher or another person say this? And that is, they'll say something like this. God doesn't send anybody to hell. They send themselves. Let me tell you, that is not true. I don't know of anybody that would voluntarily jump into hell. I don't know of anybody that would voluntarily send themselves to hell. But I know of a God who will do that. And Jesus Christ will do that. Yes, he is the one that sends you to hell. It's because of your sin, but he's the one that has the authority of, uh, to do it. And the Lord says, uh, you, should, you should be fear him who's able to destroy both body and soul in hell. And so it should bring fear to us. We trust Christ, though, as our Savior. Then there is no fear. Why? Because all the sin is removed. All the sin is forgiven. And we can stand before a holy God accepted in, in Jesus Christ because all of our sins are paid for and there's no need to fear anymore. And so fear, though, is a response that we should have when we hear the gift of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And then there's another response that we find in the, in the, in the Bible account. And that's the response of wonder. In Luke chapter 2, verse 18, it says, All they that heard it, what is it? It's what they heard from the shepherds. The shepherds heard from the angel that, a, that the Savior was born, who is Christ the Lord. Now, there's a lot in that. A Savior who is Christ, Christ is the Messiah, the Lord, that means he's God. And so, uh, that's wonder. <laughs> I mean, to think that Jesus came to save us, and it brought wonder to them. They wondered at those things. I looked up the definition of wonder. It says a feeling of mingled surprise and curiosity, astonishment, to marvel. We should wonder. We should be astonished. We should be amazed that Jesus Christ would come to die for us. So a person who truly receives the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, it's not some flippant thing. It's not some uh, decision, you know, that you make that really wasn't that serious or it didn't bring any fear to you or anything like that. Uh, that person who never experiences that, I wonder if they're truly saved. And the wonder is, uh, is one of the things that we should experience. That's re a response that we should have to the gospel. Have you ever come to the place in your life where you heard the gospel and you just marveled at that? that God would love me so much that he would die for my sins? Have you been brought to the place where you just were amazed that God would love you that much? And that's a response, a proper response to the Lord Jesus Christ, the greatest gift that was ever given. And then there's another response I found in looking at the scripture, and it's found in Luke chapter 2, verse 13. The angels praised God and they said, glory to God in the highest. Glory to God in the highest. A proper response when you hear about Jesus is to praise God. I mean, you're just, you're, you're so thankful to him and you praise him. In Luke chapter 2, verse 20, the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. So the angels praise God and the shepherds praise God. When you, when you hear about the gospel, when the gospel comes to you, one of your responses should be praise to God. It's surprising that some people who claim to be saved, claim to know Jesus, never praise him. In fact, they're uncomfortable when they're around people who do. They don't want to come to church. They don't feel comfortable there in, around God's people. I've heard some Christians say, I don't want to ever go among those people again. And that's a sad thing. But uh, God says that we should be people who, are, who praise the Lord for what he's done for us. Then there's another response, and that's the response of joy. The Bible says in Luke chapter 2, verse 10, I bring you good tidings of great joy. Now, we know something about joy. All of us do. I mean, we have a daughter named Joy. She was a little surprised. You know, she's the sixth one, and, and so we named her Joy, and she was a joy to us. She has, has, is a joy to us. In fact, she has a little one that right now she's have to take out, and he's a joy to us. <laughs> but uh, joy is a wonderful thing. And the Bible says in Luke chapter 2, verse 10, the angel says, I bring you good tidings of great joy. Does it bring you joy that you know Jesus? 
Are you still joyful about the fact that you trusted Jesus as your personal Savior? If you've truly responded correctly to the, Lord, the gift of the Lord Jesus, it'll bring joy to your heart. The Bible says John the Baptist wasn't even born yet. And when he heard the salutation of Mary, it says the, uh, his mom explained to Mary, that my babe leaped in my womb for joy. And so he experienced that joy. Don't you imagine that Zacharias and his expression, it doesn't say joy, but I'm sure he was joyful. He seemed excited about it. The shepherds and Simeon and Anna, they seemed to, to be excited about this. But the wise men, it does say in Matthew chapter 2, verse 10, when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. Well, what were they looking for? They were looking for the one that they had been told about who was the king of the Jews. They knew what all that entailed. And they went to Jerusalem to find him, and the star appeared, and they, and they followed the star. It led them to Jerusalem, and I imagine it disappeared sometime before that, and they knew king of the Jews got to be Jerusalem. So they went on to Jerusalem. They got to Jerusalem, and they weren't sure where to go. And so Herod inquired of the, of the scribes and all they said, the Bible says in Micah 5, 2, he's born in Bethlehem. So they head out to Bethlehem, and on their way to Bethlehem, the star appears again. And they, when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy because it was leading them to the Savior. If you trust Christ as your Savior, it's got to bring joy to your heart. There has to be that change that brings joy to your heart. I've seen people know, come to know the Lord, and one of the first expressions they have is just, you know, I'm so happy. I'm so happy because my sins are forgiven. It brings joy. The Bible says that joy is to continue. And so the scripture says in Philippians chapter 4, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 says rejoice evermore. And so the Lord says we're to rejoice in fact, in the first Peter chapter 1, there's a great verse. It says, whom having not seen, and none of us have seen him, ye love. Do you love Jesus? In whom though now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. The true child of God has joy that they've come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. And so when you're presented with the, God, with the Lord Jesus, you're presented with the gospel it should bring joy to your heart. And then, of course, there's a, a, res, a response that's very necessary if you're going to truly be saved, and that is you've got to receive him. The Bible says the shepherd received him. It says in Luke chapter 2, verse 15, let us now go even into Bethlehem and see this thing which, is, which has been told to us, the, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And what he made known unto them, what he's a savior and he's Christ the Lord. And so they go to find him, and they're going to receive him, and they're gladly receive the Lord. Simeon had heard about the Lord and promised he would not die before the Christ came. And he was in the temple, and the Lord says, that's him. And he ran over to the baby, and he was so excited, and he thanked the Lord, so he received the Lord. Anna received the Lord as well. She had been looking the same thing, and when she found out it was Jesus... When she found out this was the Christ, she told everybody she knew that was looking for redemption in Jerusalem about him. Uh, she was so uh, receptive of the Lord Jesus. 
And the wise men, they heard about him. They looked for him. They followed the star. They went there. They found him. And I believe they received him for who he was. And they received the Lord. The same way with us. We must receive the Lord. And so when the proper response to the gospel is to receive Christ. Can you imagine what it would be like on, on Christmas morning, maybe tomorrow, maybe tonight, that someone you know very well loves you and you love them. They thought all, all week, all, all year about what they could give you. And they had this special gift for you and they handed it to you on Christmas and you looked at them and said, I don't want it. That would be an awful response. And the people, the person who gave it to you would be upset. And the people watching would be upset when you said, I don't want it. And yet that's exactly what happens many times. People are presented the gospel. They're told about the gift. They're told about Jesus and all that it involves and how they can be saved and forgiven of all their sins. And they say, I don't want it. I'm not ready. Not now. I don't want it. Now, if you're here like that today and you've never received Christ as your Savior, that's been your response. You said, I don't want him. And so that's an awful response. And so, but then there's one more response. And that's the response of those who do receive him. And the Bible says, then we go and tell others. <laughs> the witness. And the Bible says in Luke chapter 2, the shepherds, they made known abroad about this one they've been told about, Savior, Christ the Lord. They made it known abroad. The Bible says, Anna spake to all them who looked for redemption in Jerusalem, and we as believers are told the same thing. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, But ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and she shall be witnesses in me both in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. Your response to receiving the gift is to go tell others about the gift. And those are proper responses. So a proper response to the gift is to be troubled, which you should be when you're confronted with your sin. You should be afraid because the result of sin is eternal death. You should, you should wonder at the fact that God would do this for you and you should praise the God, Lord for doing it and it should bring joy to your heart that he has done that for you, and then you should receive him, and then you should go tell others about him. That's the proper response. But then there's improper responses. There were improper responses in the Bible to the gift of the Lord Jesus Christ. First of all, there was outright rejection, and that is pictured in Herod. Herod was the king, and the Bible says that he feared the lordship of Jesus Christ. You see, he was king of the Jews. And he found out that there was a babe born who was king of the Jews. He could not have that. He could not have a rival king. You might not have thought about it, but you know, if peop many people do the same thing. They don't want Jesus. Why? Because he'll tell them what to do. He'll tell them how to live. He'll tell them this sin is wrong and they're to put it aside. And what does the Bible say in John chapter 3? Men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. They don't want anybody telling them how to live. 
They don't want anybody telling them what they have to get rid of. They don't want Jesus as Lord. But it's interesting that Romans chapter 10, 9 and 10 says, that thou shalt confess with the mouth the Lord Jesus. And it actually reads, Jesus as Lord. When you come to know Jesus Christ as your Savior, realize you're a lost sinner in need of a, in need of a Savior, and that without Jesus you'd go to, go to hell, and you truly trust Jesus as your personal Savior, I don't believe there's any question. If you truly do that, you're willing to say, Lord, you're my Lord. I want to do what you tell me to do because of what you did for me. And so Herod, though, said, no, I don't want him as Lord. I'm Lord. I'm king. Nobody does that except me. Well, and then there's another improper response, and that's the improper response of preoccupation. Now, let me explain it. It's pictured in the innkeeper. The innkeeper said, now we're not told his name, we're not told even any words that he said. Uh, we don't even know if it was a he, it says the innkeeper. But it says, there was no room in the inn. Now where did they find that out from? They found it out from a person who was the innkeeper, who said, no room. Why? Because he was not looking for Christ. He wasn't looking for Christ. He was satisfied with good business, and he had no need for this person they called Christ. In fact, he didn't even know about him. He just knew about this couple that was going to expect a child. So I don't know anything about them. I have no need for them. My business is good. And he did not know who he was turning away. He was turning away God himself. He did not know that. In fact, he was too busy to find out. He felt the stable was good enough for a poor, this poor couple that came their way. And so he was preoccupied with his business and other things and no time for Jesus. The same is true today. People are not looking for the Savior. So when they're presented to him, when he's presented to them, they're not interested. They're not looking for him. They're not having any desire for him. They're satisfied with their life. They're satisfied with their friends. They're satisfied with their occupation. Why should I change anything? I don't need Jesus. They do not need to be bothered by a stranger. You know, I've never known Jesus before, and I don't need to be bothered by this stranger taking over my life. So preoccupied with their life, they do not take time to find out who they are turning out, and that is the Lord Jesus. Now, some of you might be like that. I don't know, or maybe you have some friends like that. They don't outright reject the Lord, but just they're too busy for the Lord. They're preoccupied with everything else, not knowing, the Bible says, Thou fool, this night shall thy soul be required of thee. Then who shall these things be? You remember that rich man? who was going to add all these riches to his, to his accumulation. And the Lord says, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee, and then who shall these things be? Preoccupied with things, preoccupied with, with life, no room for Jesus. I was going to quote that song, but I don't have time today, but you can look it up in your hymn book, No Room for Jesus. No room. 
And uh, so it's, uh, it's so sad that today people are doing the same thing. But then there's another improper response to Jesus. And that's also pictured by the innkeeper, innkeeper, and I call it accommodation. Boy, there's a lot of accommodation going on today. <laughs> and that is the innkeeper. He did not give him a place to stay in the inn, but he did give him a place in his stable. He didn't completely reject him. He fit him in, but it wasn't really the best accommodation. But he was, in, he was doing what many people today do, and they were just accommodating the Lord. I think of the priest in the temple. What did they do? Mary brought Jesus to them to perform the necessary things that, that were performed in the temple for a baby, and they did that. They fit him into their schedule. They did what they were supposed to do and sent him on his way. Today, people are doing the same thing. They're accommodating Jesus Christ. They go to church occasionally. Maybe they go to church regularly but they don't allow Jesus to be Lord of their life. They've made a profession, but really they truly haven't come to repentance and faith in Jesus and experienced that new birth that only the Lord can do. They've never truly been saved, but they accommodate the Lord. You know, it's pictured so many times on, uh, I'm sorry, but country music, and there's, that doesn't mean that all the others are good, no. But country music, you'll have... A, a country music thing, and they'll just sing songs about going out with some woman, you know, it's not their wife, or drinking beer and everything, and they'll close the problem, program with amazing grace. What are they doing? This secular guy who doesn't know Jesus, who doesn't love Jesus, don't, doesn't live like he loved Jesus, he pleases the so-called Christians out there, or the Christians out there, by tacking on a religious song. That's, you've heard me say before, some people say, I just love to hear Elvis sing amazing. Oh, no. I don't love to hear that at all <laughs> because I know what Elvis was. And that does, but accommodates. A lot of people accommodate the Lord. They fit him into their schedule. They give him a place, but not the major place. All, the, all week long, they'll do whatever they want to do. And then Sunday, they put on their best clothes maybe, and then they go to church, and they'll sing the songs. And like I heard a man tell me not uh, several years ago, he said, we used to do that every Sunday morning. Every, we, Dad would bring us to church, and then during the week, it was terrible. But then on Sunday, you know, everybody was fine. What were they doing? Accommodating Jesus. Give him a slot in their life but it's not the major place. They're not living for Jesus. They don't love Jesus. Why? Because they've never received Jesus. Because if you truly receive him, if you have the proper response, then he's going to have the proper place in your life. And so those are very important responses, either positive response or improper response, which has been yours. But then I want to close with this. Is it that important? Oh, yes, it is. We all know it is. It's important to you. It'll decide where you spend eternity. 
It's important to the person who offers you the gift. That's God. And God does not look lightly on a person when they reject his son. You might say, but I've done so many good things. I've been, I've been a good person. I've been a good neighbor. I don't do this. I don't do that. But have you received the son? God the Father sent his son to this earth to die for us. And he paid the price for our sins. He wants us to go to heaven with him. And we choose to reject him. God is very justified in standing as a judge and saying, you go to hell. And by the way, you will get out of hell, you know. People in hell will get out. Because the Bible says there stood a great white throne. And him that sat on it from whose face the earth and the heavens fled away and there was found no place for them. Where is hell today? The scripture says hell's in the center of the earth. And if God destroys the earth, people get out of hell for a moment. Where do they go? They go to the great white throne judgment. Wow, I can just imagine that. People getting out, out of hell. Wow, we're, we're out of hell. And then they're flying through space and they see what's coming. And they see who's on that throne. And it's Jesus. And they say, oh, no. Because then he hears them say, depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. I never knew you. And he sends them to the lake of fire. Now, hell's one place. It's bad. The lake of fire is where hell is, is cast into. So you might, you'll get out of hell for a moment and then stand before God at the great white throne judgment and then sit to the lake of fire forever and ever. Is it important what you do with Jesus? You better believe it's important. It's important to you. It's important to him because if you don't receive his son, you'll, be, you'll go to hell and then the lake of fire. But then it's important to others watching you because there's people all around us who won't trust Jesus, why? Because their parents never had a thing to do with him. And they watched. They observed. They observed their parents cursing God. They observed their parents talking about church people, about that church and those bunch of hypocrites down there. And so they stayed away from it, and they didn't want anything to do with it because of their parents. They were observing what their parents did with Jesus who was presented to them, and they end up doing the same thing. And do you know all around us we have heathen? We used to talk about heathen being in Africa or places like that, but all around us there are people who really don't know about Jesus. Kids who grew up in homes had nothing to Jesus, with, do with Jesus. They grew up around Christians who never told them about Jesus. And so they're just like the people in darkest Africa, they don't know the Lord, and it's our job as a Christian to try to tell them about the Lord Jesus Christ, because believe me, it's important how you respond to the greatest gift, and that's Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you today for allowing us to see the importance of what we do with Jesus. Lord, if there's anybody here today who has not received Jesus as their Savior, I pray that you'd bring them to that place where they are so sorry for their sin and they cry out to you for mercy and, and 
forgiveness, and they trust, put their trust in Jesus as their personal Savior. Help them to receive that greatest of gifts, the Lord Jesus Christ. And Lord, for us who know the Lord, help us to be presenting people with that gift and giving them opportunity to receive or reject. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.